Media Podcast Network presents This is Protecting America. Now, here's Emmy winning journalist Rita Cosby. And welcome to another edition of Protecting America. I'm Rita Cosby. Two New York police officers were brutally assaulted in Times Square by a mob of illegal migrants who were arrested and let out right away with no bail. And joining us now to discuss, sadly, the war on police is Ed Mamet, a retired NYPD captain, and he's also the host of the Cop Talk podcast. Ed, great to have you here. It's always great to be with you, Rita. You know, when I saw those images of those officers being so brutally beaten by a mob of illegal migrants, I was so angry. What was your reaction? If you were angry, I was 10 times angry of having spent 40 years of my life in the police department. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. You know, in my time, first of all, that wouldn't have happened. And if it did happen, those perps would have been the sorriest people in the world, believe me. And you know what's really bothering me? I heard you talk earlier on the other show where you said that four of them have fled to California. Is that true? Yeah, that's what we're hearing, that uh, four of them have fled already to California. What does that say about the system? The system is the love to be found. Nobody knows who they are. (laughs) I'm assuming, well, they they were most likely were fingerprinted when they were arrested. But even so, there's no database to check them against. And we've discussed this before, because when a person is arrested, the fingerprints wind up in the central data bank of the FBI. And um, when they were arrested anywhere in the in the United States or the territory or their uh, territories or other areas that shows up, but because they're not uh, in the database, they are now, it's going to be difficult. So, uh, and besides, will, will the DA extradite them? This DA, I doubt it. So it's just a disgusting situation. It really is. And it epitomizes, I think, in so many ways, so many big breakdowns in the system. The fact that first of all, uh, they came here. How many individuals do you think are really being vetted? I mean, and many people say this This seems like sort of a classic case of why we need to vet each and every one of them before they come into the country. Oh, absolutely. That's the whole purpose of immigration and naturalization is vetting people. And, and you know, it's also disturbing me. Um, these people should be deported. But, you know, the president claims that they were brought in here legally even though they're illegal, because uh, he gave them permission to come in. So the question is, can ICE, even if they're uh, willing to take these people and deport them, can it be done under the current situation set up by President Biden? And what are your thoughts on that? Well, I should take them and deport them, but the policies around the country in these various, uh, you know, woke cities is uh, not to cooperate with ICE. But Governor Hochul, she came out today and she said they should be deported. Um, the question is, can I get support them? How complicated is it? Does it make it for law enforcement, Ed, uh, when there is this sort of like who can do what and who can do who can turn over what? Uh, the New York City police uh, feels like they can't certainly do some things. There's reports that they can't what go into the migrant shelters. They have to wait till they leave the migrant shelters. Yeah, but that's not a, that's not a law. That's the city policy. You know, that was, and, and I don't understand that the logic behind that. If a crime is committed, 
police should be able to go into them. They're making these shelters, the sanctuary shelters, but there's no law saying you can't do it. I mean, it's crazy. It is crazy. And how much more complicated does that make it for law enforcement, Ed? Well, it's very complicated because if uh, they can't go in, uh, what are they supposed to do? Wait until they come out? You know, so it's really weird. And and the illegals seem to have more rights uh, than the legals in this country. And, you know, let me tell you something else. Prior to uh, the 80s, the early 80s, um, when the police came in contact with a suspected illegal person, they would hold them. They would con- contact the, what was then the Immigration Naturalization Service, and uh, they would come and take the person. That was the end of it. They would get deported. Koch, when he was mayor, came out with an executive order that's still in effect through all these mayoralities that said the police are no longer to get involved in immigration matters. Now, most of us know that sooner or later, these illegals will come in contact with the police, and the police are the perfect avenue to uh, locate these people, apprehend them, and turn them over. But until uh, it's made a policy, uh, that's not going to happen. So how do we change this? What what do we need? Is it governmental change we need? Is it a mindset with the public change? Where do we start? Well, I think we have to change uh, things by uh, getting rid of this current administration, uh, getting the Republicans in power, and there's probably going to have to be legislation, and revitalizing ICE. And uh, I also I believe that the federal government should rescind the federal aid that goes to cities who claim they are sanctuary cities. You know, and not only that, they get federal funding, which can be withheld. And this came up before, and I think under uh, the Blasio administration, but it hasn't been followed through. But that's a powerful weapon is to take away the federal funds from those cities that are protecting the illegals and won't let the police get involved, the rights get involved. So that, it can be done. But they got, the government has to have the will to do it. Exactly. And right now, it sure doesn't look like the government has the will to do it. I want to also ask you, as we were looking at the videotape, sadly, of those two officers who were being, they were being kicked in the head. You could see the migrants just sort of laughing. And it looked like, to me, that they have obviously committed other crimes before because they didn't seem to care that they were beating a police officer. I mean, to me, if you're going to beat a police officer, you have so crossed the line. And clearly, this probably wasn't their first offense. Your thoughts? I was just going to say that. I'm sure that they have criminal records wherever they came from, and they were kicked out just for that reason. So to them, to what they, you know, to commit another crime is just comes natural. And the viciousness of that attack uh, indicates that back where they came from, they probably were able to get away with it. And there's word that they came from Venezuela. How could we ever find out what their criminal history is? Could we ever? Well, we can't because we don't have relations with Venezuela. <laughs> That's another problem. Yeah, that is another problem. And do do these countries even provide any information of the criminal history? You know, there are reports well, that they're emptying out the prisons, some people say. Right. Well, the countries that we have treaties with will supply that information. Um, they should anyway. But, you know, this happened with the Cuban uh, boat lift back in the, in the 80s. 25% of those people that came in were, had criminal records. Uh, and I believe it was a, uh, that came out to about 25,000 uh, people had criminal records. So it's easy for these countries who want to get rid of the criminals and undermine the U.S. to send them here. Yeah, the uh, famous Mario boat lift. You're right. Uh, and think about the destruction and damage uh, and everything that that caused. As we're talking about all of this, how come, you know, in the case when we see the officers, they didn't pull out a taser. 
they didn't pull out their gun. Do you think that was because they didn't want to or they couldn't? Or what was the reason? Well, probably they got caught off guard. They didn't expect to get attacked like that. And I'm sure that under the current um, you know, restrictions placed on the police, they were afraid to uh, pull out their guns. But, you know, the fact is they should have their nightsticks, which they don't carry anymore. It's not a big mistake because the nightstick would have worked pretty well if they had used it. Um, and another thing that bothers me, no, no citizen came to help them. You know, there was a time when citizens would come to help. So that that, that disturbs me also. Why is that? Why do you think that they were not? Uh, we have some, you and I have some mutual friends who said, you know, uh, two uh, two words, one name, Daniel Penny, that people are afraid to get involved. Have we come to that? Uh, well, I think that's part of it. But also there's just a general... Um, breakdown in, in the relationship with police and the community. That was since the George George Floyd situation. The police have lost a lot of respect um, and for no good reason. You know, just because of that incident doesn't mean every cop in the country is bad, you know, and the only people that are going to suffer is the general public because the police will get the attitude, hey, why do anything? You know what? I'm getting paid. Uh, the hell with the public. <laughs> and that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a huge problem. And and as you're talking about that, too, there are also cases lately where somebody did intervene, a good Samaritan. I think it was that crossing guard. He tried to break up a fight and then he got killed. So are people worried about intervening for a lot of different reasons? Yes. Yes. It's just a, I think there's just a major breakdown in society. Things are not the way they were when I came to the police department. I just can't imagine an assault on cops like, like that. In my time, and I did forty years. I never saw anything like that. Yeah, I, mean, it, I think fighters. We we, but not a, a mob like that attacked the police in open in broad daylight. Why is there such a breakdown that this could happen? Where you know a mob of migrants are beating up on two cops and nobody does anything. What's going on? Well, I think uh, has to do with the current administration, who is not um, taking a serious look at this. You have a problem with the district attorney here in Manhattan. Um, the judges are, are, are bound by the, the silly no bail laws. These people should have been, uh, uh, bail would be set. They couldn't make the bail. They wind up in Rikers Island. They sit there till the next court appearance. And then they should be deported. But they're getting away with these things. And the, the fact that they fled to California, if that's true, it's, it's unbelievable. They're here illegally, and they're getting away with these things that no one else could get away with. You couldn't get away with it. I couldn't get away with it, but they will. And why have we come to this point? Is it a combination of things? And what? who do you blame and what do you blame? I blame the president of the United States and those that follow his policy. And it's trickling down to these sanctuary cities. You know, Ed, as we're yeah. talking about all these things, too, we're also talking, this comes on a week where, boy, a city council in New York City passes the How Many Stops Act. They override Mayor Adams' veto. Your thoughts on how bad that's going to be for cops. Well, that's pretty bad because there's going to be uh, a tremendous amount of uh, time taken up by the police, either, um, you know, in, uh, making out reports or uh, questioning. You know, Jumani Williams said it takes only uh, a couple of seconds to do it. That's nonsense. You know, in, in a busy precinct where um, cops run from job to job, there's going to be a lot of time spent recording those encounters. 
and the the uh, <clears throat> encounters cover everything except um, just talking to another person. But if it's an investigative question, uh, let me give an example. <clears throat> Let's say there's a major crime committed, and detectives are out there interviewing hundreds of witnesses. That, according to this law that was passed, they would have to make a separate report out to every witness that they spoke to, in addition to the normal investigative report they would make out regarding the contact of that witness. So there's extra work involved. And it's, and who's going to look at this? It makes no sense. Talk about um, what kind of examples, when you just said uh, any the, anything other than that. Like, give us a, a classic case where it just seems so absurd, some of these level one stops that are really kind of minor, but that takes up a lot of time. Uh, all right. I think uh, I'm not sure if the police commission said, but the missing a missing child is a big deal. So what happens when a child goes missing? All stops are pulled out, and you have loads of cops going out there, canvassing the neighborhood, speaking to people. You know, saying, "Did you see this kid? Uh, do you have any idea?" Showing pictures. According to the law, they would have to make out. Uh, the police would have to make out one of these reports. But innocent questions like that. And it's, you know, that doesn't make sense either. None of it makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So why are they doing it? Is it a politics or are they just so disconnected from reality? It hasn't hit their their home or their friend's home or something. What is the reason that they don't understand? I mean, if you spend five minutes with a cop and boy, as you talk about, you had decades at the NYPD, but you spend five minutes with a cop. It just makes common sense that you want to keep them on the street. Are they intentionally trying to keep them off the street? Well, I, look, I guess there's a political motivation involved. And a lot of it has to do with race relations, which to me is totally unnecessary. You have a city that is, uh, you know, largely minority. The police department, as we keep hearing this, is a uh, majority minority. And I don't understand this reasoning behind, the, you know, uh, trying to identify the, uh, the race and gender of people. What, what, what is it going to do? So obviously, it has to do more with race relations than anything else. There's no logical reason, as far as I'm concerned, to do all this. Is there any way that there may be some uh, meeting in the middle on the How Many Stops Act? Because the mayor came back and said he's going to try to somehow change it where maybe the lower ones won't be included but it seems like city council, obviously, they got their way. They overrode him. It was a 42 to 9 vote. So overwhelmingly, they did that, Ed Mamet. But is there any way that there might be some middle ground? Or do you think we're stuck with this? And where do we go from here? And what does it mean to police recruitment? Because sadly, who wants to be a cop in this environment? Not too many people. people police, department, police members are retiring at uh, a very rapid race. But as far as modifying it, I don't know how much can be modified because there's, you know, as you know, there's four levels of stops. Um, and this, this stop one, the uh, level one they're talking about is the one that would require um, these um, reports where they weren't required before. So the police department would have to issue a, an operations order, and the operations order will have to be based on what the law says. And the law has to be interpreted. Uh, I have a copy of the law. And the investigative stops are uh, covered under this law. Wow. So, th- so that 
is going to just be voluminous. And then I would assume they're going to have to pay for a supervisor to look over the paperwork, make sure that it's done right, correct? Yes. Yes, they're going to have to pay for it. And then there's the the filing issue. We don't know if it's going to be computerized or it's going to be paper. But either way, you're going to have storage problems. If it's computerized, there's going to be a load of storage uh, issues. Because you're talking about thousands and thousands of these reports. I just can't imagine anybody looking at them. And even if they read them, what are they going to get out of it? Yeah, exactly. So what do you think is the goal? Like you just said, do you believe it? It's all, you know, some to fit some quota. We did hear, I believe, was it Adrian Adams, who's the speaker there at the New York City Council, saying, well, all these stops are happening in African-American communities. What do you say to people who say that's what this is about? Well, that's where the crime is. The crime is occurs in these areas. And that's where the police go. So what are you supposed to do? I mean, it, it, it's not that they're being singled out. You send cops to where crime is, and that's where the stops are going to be made, um, whether investigative, whether inquiry. And by the way, just a lot of these stops are just general inquiry stops. Like if you see somebody on the street, you know, hanging around, and you say, uh, oh, what are you doing here? You know, I'm waiting for a, a, a taxi. I'm waiting for a bus. Why should that be, why should a report require, be required to that? I mean, it's just weird. What's the morale also, Ed, of the NYPD? They're having trouble recruiting, clearly. What do you think is the future of the NYPD if these things keep getting tacked on to our great men and women in law enforcement? Well, I think they're going to have to lower standards because the quality of uh, the quality of personnel will be uh, diminished. Standards will have to be lowered. Um, cops now are retiring before the, you know, like I said, take me. I stayed in for 40 years. If I was in the department now, I would never stay. I would do my 20 and get out. So, you know, it's, uh, it's going to, it's going to create a major recruitment issue and a retention issue. And you want to keep, you want to retain the qualified people because they are the people that train the new people. And if you don't have them, things are going to be bad. How many are also fleeing to other places, too? I, I know, like, even in the middle of COVID, we saw Florida advertising, hey, come here, and you see advertisements often on TV of other places saying, we want you because, of course, the NYPD, they are the best. They're so skilled, as you know. Uh, they, I mean, they're the best, I, you know, law enforcement force out there. Hands down, and hands down, they always go, you see, to crises overseas. But suddenly, they're having crisis here at home, how many of them are also fleeing and saying, look, if I'm going to stay in law enforcement, maybe not do it in New York, sadly? Well, I can't give you the numbers, but all I know um, from those in, in the department that I'm friendly with is that the retirement rate is very high. And it's it's high among the, uh, the people who are senior. Senior people are not staying anymore either. You said so not only you're losing, you know, the uh, lower level ranks, but you're the command level people are leaving too, and they're the people that you need to run the department. So it can't do any good. Um, this uh, this bill and that. Now, yeah, how about the? Um, I know this is not in police work; it's more correction. But the uh, stopping of the solitary confinement—that's going to be another major problem for the correction people. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And real quickly, explain why that is so important that it should have stayed. But obviously, that's gone now, too. Well, because you have violent prisoners who attack each other and they attack correction officers. And, you know, solitary confinement is a standard 
way of dealing with uh, troublesome prisoners. It's been around ever since the penal system has been around. And, you know, it doesn't make sense to do that either, to do away with it, because it's a very important tool that uh, penal institutions have. So if you don't have solitary confinement, how are you going to control these people who are violent? Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's a major problem. So law enforcement is getting whacked on all sides. You know, uh, street enforcement, corrections, the courts, the district attorneys who won't prosecute. I don't see a great future for this country if things go keep going the way they are. Yeah, and boy, is that sad because every citizen is in jeopardy when the police don't feel safe, when they don't feel supported. And that is a sad outlook, but I think so many people feel the same way you do. Ed Mamet, I just want to thank you. And obviously, you know how much I love our men and women in blue. I know all the people who listen to this podcast do, too. And I encourage them also to check out your great podcast with Kevin Schroeder, uh, Cop Talk podcast, which always has such great stuff. And also, everybody, be sure to subscribe and share this really important, powerful podcast. Ed Mamet, thank you for your great service and your great insight. And everybody, I'll be back soon with another great edition of Protecting America. And of course, you can catch me every weeknight, 10 p.m. to midnight on the legendary WABC Radio. This is Rita Cosby, and thanks for all you do to protect America.